Hi, welcome to the Berry Nation podcast, where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April. I'm Jason. I'm Natalie. And today we are talking with a brand new expert in our community. We've never had the opportunity to welcome Mike to the podcast, but he's here with us today. Hi, Mike. Hi. We're so excited that we get to speak with you. We know that our very good friend Rob has been working with you for quite some time. And he recently, uh, you joined him in a men's meetup Monday in the Berry Nation community. And people were really excited and impressed with what you had to say. And of course, you're a registered dietitian. And this month in Berry Nation is all about March macros. So we're super excited to talk to you about all things carbs and fat today. Hey, that's my favorite subject. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) well, and I... Right. Well, and as I was like writing the show notes for this, it really struck me just how villain, like vilified or villainized carbs and fats are. I think just in the general population, yeah. but then in the bariatric world, they're even more like, I don't know, it's just this evil thing or they're hyper-focused or it's just this, this big kind of black cloud. Uh, so we're really excited to, to really talk to you about what these macronutrients are, what they do right. in our bodies. Right. And then, you know, if, and why we need them. Uh, so before we dive into the conversation, though, will you just take some time and introduce yourself? Who are you uh, and, and why do you love supporting the bariatric community? Well, thank you. I will. Um, I am a registered dietitian with 20 years under my belt. It has been amazing 20 years. I fell into the weight loss surgery world about two years after I got into my career. I worked in a hospital. The hospital was very, very good, but I found a job in weight loss surgery and it was called the wish center for, I don't, there might be somebody watching who has heard of the wish center. It was back in early two thousands and uh, Carney Wilson, one of the singers for Wilson Phillips advertised for them. And it was like a chain of centers all over the country. It was interesting. So it was like almost a, like a McDonald's for weight loss surgery. Wow, <laughs> so, awesome. I don't want to go into the whole story about it, <clears throat> but it folded, it went bankrupt and I ended up hopping out with some other surgeons, but working in, in, out of the hospital in weight loss surgery and seeing, gosh, I don't know how many thousands of patients now it's, I can't get out of it because it's just so rewarding. It's, it's surgery works. Surgery's good. I'm on TikTok. There are people who always come on there and say, that's a bunch of baloney. It's not, no, it is absolutely legitimate. Um, people that have this surgery are amazing people. They work hard genetics. I am confident. It is a, a, a reason why many people have more weight on them. Um, it's not laziness. It's not a lack of self-control. Again, I don't get all that, but anyways, I love it. And it's so much fun for me to take a before picture and take an after picture that pretty much sums up my job. Have you ever wished you had a dedicated bariatric buddy to help guide you along your weight loss journey? Well, guess what? You can find that person. Patient Partner connects pre-op bariatric patients to vetted post-op bariatric patients who help and encourage each other along the way. Patient Partner helps you feel more empowered, prepared, and supported through your surgery by connecting you to a community of recovered patients so you can move forward with confidence. Click the link in our Instagram bio to learn how you can take advantage of this free service and follow Patient Partner at patient underscore partner. Well, and and I really appreciate the fact that you approach bariatric nutrition also from the lens of being a father. Like you're an active father of three. Yes. So, right, like learning to feed ourselves and our family is a struggle that a lot of people in the bariatric community are are facing, right, and are really looking for for strategies. So to know that this can be done in a safe and meaningful and effective way while also raising a family is like 
right? That's like the, the golden, it's what you're looking for, right? And it can be hard to do, but it's not impossible. Yeah, because I can relate. I can relate. Many of my patients are fam- you know, kids. In fact, they're very busy and kids have a lot to do with that. And I do, I have my own children to deal with and it gets, it gets very overwhelming and food can get like pushed aside. Oh, I'll just eat quickly, you know, so I can relate in that respect. That's why I call myself dietitian dad. I thought it was a funny name my daughter gave to me and it's stuck. Well, it works. I mean, I know Jason, uh, we're, we're always talking to him. Jason is a father and a grandfather. Oh my and, gosh. Right. And it was really different when you went through surgery, Jason, wasn't it with your grandbabies? Yeah, no, it definitely was. It, it made a, it made a huge impact on kind of the way I treated life and, you know, as a father and a grandfather pre and post-op. So there's, there's been a lot of changes, a lot of recipe changes, a lot of bring in healthier alternatives to them as well as to myself, you know, for, for both my kids and my grandkids. So yeah, it's been a, been quite the change. Right. But all for the better, because now you actually get to be like an active and present grandfather, which was something you were struggling to do before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, there's, there's videos of me playing with them before and videos of me playing after and they are vastly different between the two videos. So yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. All right, my friends. Well, the, the big thing that we want to talk about today is, of course, carbs and fats. But really, what we want to know is, do we have to avoid them or should we avoid them? What role do these macronutrients play in our health and what do they do in our bodies? And then what are some of the best bariatric friendly ways to make sure that we are um, enjoying these macronutrients as we move throughout our stages. So we kind of have some specific questions we want to ask you about about each stage. But Great. I mean, I don't know if you guys are ready. I think we should just dive in. Ready. Let's do it. Ivan. Let's do it. All right. First thing first, and you know, we always start our episodes like this when we're talking about something maybe new. We want to make sure we're speaking the same language. So, drum roll, please. What the heck, Mike, is a carbohydrate? <laughs> well, it's a it's a basically a, a, a sugar. I mean, people talk about the word sugar all the time, and it's I've got a carbon atom, a nitrogen atom. Um, and it's, it's basically an hydrogen atom and it's just basically a, a, a way of your body utilizing energy quickly. So when you talk about carbohydrates, you can intermix the word sugar and complex carbs and simple carbs and monosaccharides and disaccharides and oligosaccharides and fiber, which is also a carb, um, all together. If you break it down, it's really just about providing energy to the body. That's what, that's what carbs will do quick, easy energy. And then for us to survive, we need that quick, easy energy. We don't want to use fats and, and we don't want to use um, proteins for energy. It's just harder to do that. So when we talk about carbs, they provide energy. They provide energy, energy, energy to the brain. That's very important. I, I want to emphasize that because a lot of people that go on low-carb diets or have weight loss surgery, they don't consume enough carbs and they get that brain fog. And their, bodies, their brain is desperate for carbs. It needs about 100 grams of carbs a day just to function. Uh, so that's a big one. Um, and digestive digestion. I mean, for fiber is a big part of the digestion and um, it's very important. We'll talk as we go along with this, with this about the importance of fiber. I'm sure I'm going to mention that a few times. So really yes. that's what it comes down to. It's energy. It's an energy provider. Well, and I am, I am definitely, uh, 
I, I, I'm not a nutritionist. I stayed at a Holiday Inn a couple uh, weeks ago and I went down the rabbit hole of like what a carb is. <laughs> and I was blown away because in the research that I was doing, right, the, the difference between what I could find a simple and a complex carb was just basically how the molecules are strung together. As yep. simple as like one or two, like, or, you know, two or three atoms together, making yep. it very simple, which means the body can break it down very quickly. Whereas those complex carbohydrates are very, tons of these atoms strung together in these very long, complex chains. And that's where the fiber is, that's where the nutrients is, and that's why it takes a little bit longer for our bodies to, to digest. But what very absolutely cool. blew me away is that like milk and yogurt is actually a complex carbohydrate because it's sugar. And I was like, what? I mean, <laughs> it was just because I've always thought of those things as just protein, right? Protein, protein, protein. Right. But this month, we've really wanted to learn more about how, like, you know, a carb isn't necessarily just a carb, right? An egg isn't just an egg. You know, milk or yogurt isn't just yogurt. It's actually a lot of these things mashed together. It is. Yeah. You can't just say, oh, I'm eating a carb, I'm eating a protein, I'm eating a fat, because most foods have all three in them. You could say a simple sugar, you can eat, you can eat a piece of candy, sure, and it'd be straight sugar, straight carbs. There are definitely foods like that. But you're right. There's more to it. Yogurt, eggs, there's a lot more in them. That, than that and the type of sugar that's in them. Um, you know, you've heard of fructose, you've heard of glucose, you know, everything pretty much goes, turns to glucose in the body and, and it's stored as glycogen in the, in, for that quick energy source. Carbs are like, when you're a dietitian, that's like a whole year, a semester, at least a semester, if not a year full of studying. I mean, it's a lot of stuff. Oh my God. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, how, just how they, they all work in tandem in the body and the different types of, of substrates and how the enzymes perform just so much in terms of how to get that energy, the ATP and the Krebs cycle, like how we oh. get that, 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 how do we get that energy out of the, the carb? I mean, there's, I mean, biochemistry, not fun, but something you have to take a lot when you're to become a dietitian. So, but it's very interesting. For, but for the layman, for the, for the general public, I mean, all you need to know really is it gives you energy but you don't, you know, you can live off of, you can, you can make energy out of other things. If you aren't getting a lot of carbs in your diet, you can live. Okay. So when I, when I talk to, to clients and patients, I'm okay with them going on a low carb diet because I know they're still going to be okay, but I'm not okay with them going on a low fat, low protein diet. Okay. Yeah. Cause the, the thing that really struck us and I forget, I don't know who we were talking to Jeannie or Sam or one of the many dietitians that we've had the, the privilege of talking to when they told us that our bodies needed a hundred grams of carbs, you could have pushed us over with a feather. I mean, we were just mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I mean, it's just such a huge number. We're so used to, I think the low carb keto, you know, like high protein, all this kind of stuff. So when, when we were told that number, it's just a little bit shocking. It seems like a lot. Yeah. And, and when we say that, I, that hundred gram mark is just a number, right? It could be different for everybody. It could be 70, it could be 120, but the body can convert. I'm sure, you know, this is pretty common knowledge. The body can make ketones to provide the brain with the, 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 the necessary energy it needs. If you are in a starvation mode, if you're in a, a place where you can't get enough carbs. So obviously you wouldn't die, but you would have a harder time. You don't, your body doesn't want to use those ketones for the brain. It wants to use ingested stored carbs. And you're right, 100 seems like a lot, doesn't it? Yeah.
It does. Yeah. But, all the, but I mean, now that I've been tracking though, I mean, I don't know about you, Jason and Natalie, I realized I was eating more carbs than what I thought, but they were coming in the form of simple carbs, like my creamers mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. And that's why I was like, okay, this might not be so great. And it, it's difficult because my app doesn't tell me the difference between a simple and a complex. It just says you you're eating too many carbs. Okay. But mm -hmm. am I eating too many carbs? Right. Well, and the, and I think one of the biggest things for people is that number a hundred is shocking because it's so close to, if not more than our protein goal, depending on how far out we are. So to hear that, that, you know, we're supposed to be for what we originally thought of is we weren't supposed to get any carbs. Now we are supposed to get more or as many carbs as we get protein. And that's scary for people because they hear the word carb and they think that they're going to gain all their weight back because they think that's how they gained it all before. Mm -hmm. Got it. But it. It's interesting though, too, because as I was listening to you speak, Mike, it's kind of like the difference, like simple carbs versus complex is almost like when you're burning a fire, you have kindling that can give you that really rapid, you know, fire starting um, ability, but then you have the logs that are like, you know, you're still burning the energy, but they're more long lasting and they have more of that benefit. I just blew April's mind if you're watching this right now. <laughs> but that's what I thought. Of. Early. That was very well said. Yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Holy shit. Now I mean literally I'm just like graphic, graphic, graphic. But <laughs> but for anybody that has sat around a campfire, that makes so much sense. That kindling is what gives you that initial burst of energy to get you going. But if you don't have those complex carbohydrates kind of throughout the day, you're never feeding the fire. And then you're asking your body to pull on an energy source that it doesn't really want to, right? Which would be mm -hmm. the protein, the ketones, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and the comp just to make it clear to everybody, the difference between a simple and a complex is really the fiber. Um, not only, but a lot of it. So you're right. So that long, that, that long lasting appetite control, if there's fiber attached to that complex carbohydrate, you're going to, you're like, you're going to, the fire won't go out for a long time because you keep feeding that, that appetite too. And that blood sugar spike isn't as tremendous that it would be if there was no fiber involved in the food. So it all comes back to that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So really, I mean, the, the goal is then you almost do need a mix of both, right? The, having that immediate energy is not necessarily a bad thing, especially when that simple carb is coming from maybe like a protein source, right? Or something that's a little bit more bariatric friendly for us. Yeah. I would say you kind of don't need it, but you do need it. It just depends on how active you are and what you're doing. If you're sitting at your desk all day long doing nothing, you don't necessarily need that initial boost of simple sugar. You can do a lot of the complex, the high fiber stuff. Um, that's better. But yeah, if you're if you're athletic and you're you're working out a lot, there's not, nothing wrong with simple carbs, simple sugars, especially after post workout or or an hour or two before. There's a lot of places for that. Okay. Well, and then in the, in the short or maybe the long term, if we're only taking in simple carbohydrates, we're missing out on the other nutrients and fibers that come with a complex, which is right. why that balance is so important. Right? Absolutely. Yep. You got okay. it. You got okay. it. And you won't have sustained fullness. You won't, even with the surgery, you won't feel as satiated and that's a big deal. And the blood sugar response will be slower, which, which it doesn't give you that high up and down, especially if you're a diabetic after weight loss surgery. Uh, yeah. So I don't want to vilify simple sugars, but they aren't, they are definitely are the lowest on the totem pole of what you should be consuming. Definitely. If I were to pick one. Mm -hmm. so, well, I, I know myself, like I feel better when I have like 
protein oatmeal in the morning. Like that's like a good hearty, um, you know, it has fiber and all of that. I feel better than if I were to eat like a cinnamon roll or something, you know, you get that spike and then you feel crash. I love cinnamon rolls. So it's hard for me to avoid them in the morning, yes, but <laughs> they're so good. But yeah, like I noticed, I do notice the difference more now post-op. Like I, I feel that spike and that drop versus like, you know, the protein oatmeal, like I can feel myself go up a little bit, but then I feel pretty stable um, for the following few hours. So I, I, I can tell the difference now. Jason, what about you? What have you noticed a difference when when you consume these different type of carbohydrates throughout your day? Yeah, I'm I'm much like Nat. It it affects me a lot more now than it did before. Um, I used to not like. I used to never listen to my body about anything. I would just eat till I couldn't eat more, and then it was all you know said that. But now everything like since I've become you know all the talks that we've had over the years with people it just I've become so in tune now I literally can ride the wave and feel it happen and so I have it has really actually pushed me away from a lot of those things that I shouldn't be eating anymore and I can do it more intentionally now than I used to be able to because it used to overpower me and I would just do it anyway and just go through it now I'm like now because remember last time like you didn't like the way you felt. And so it's easier for me now to not even buy that stuff than I, so I don't even have to worry about it. Well, and I have a good personal example. I was at the grocery store the other day and I love bread, love bread. All right, and, and that, you know, Seattle Baking Company, right? The, the Seattle sourdough is like, uh, and in a moment of weakness, I put okay. it in my car and I bought it and I have been eating it. And today I made myself a breakfast sandwich. It was just one slice cut in half with an egg and I ate it and I was like, oh God, this tastes so good. But an hour later, I was legitly hungry and I was like, what is the deal? And then I went and had a slice of the toast ate that an hour later. Oh my God. And literally I was like, what are you doing to yourself? Like, come on. Well then right before we recorded this podcast episode, I went and warmed myself up two kind of small salmon cakes, homemade salmon cakes. I could not make it through one of them. Yeah. And then I'm like, Hey dummy, it's because you're eating <laughs> like, mm. you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to vilify that bread. It was delicious. I enjoyed it. But you know, again, a, a you know, a real life, like, okay, what's the goal here? Is it just to eat, to be mindless and to taste something good and delicious and reconnect with something in my past? Okay, maybe, but this is not fueling my body in the way that it's requiring it or it's asking it to. Yeah, no, it's the Chinese food effect. It, it just, it hits you like that in about an hour, hour and a half, boy, you, you're just ravenous. And I, it, it, I've called it that since post-op because I've done the same thing on many different mm -hmm. levels of different types of food, but that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Very well said. I, I, I preach the protein first rule uh, all the time and you felt you fell victim to not protein first and you you, you paid the price in terms of you felt you felt different. That, that's, yeah. perfect, that's a perfect example of why you yeah. eat protein first. Well, and what was really interesting is I thought I was like, well, but, but I have an egg on here. Okay, great. I did. It, I had an egg and a little cheese. No, right? Like mm -mm. It, it almost like it canceled each other out. Like, yes, I got some protein, but I, and I got some carbs, which okay, it was needed. Uh, but yeah, you know, I could have definitely foregone that and just had the eggs and cheese and called it good. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I had a similar, I had a similar uh, thing on Saturday, but because uh, I took myself out, I went to 
Pike Place Market, if you know Seattle, it's a very common uh, tourist spot. Um, and I was like, you know, I really want like a gyro and it's like, you know, flatbread and meat and veggies and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. And I ate like maybe half the bread <laughs> and then there was still like veggies and stuff left over. And I was like, why did I do that? Like, cause I, like, as soon as I was done, I knew I was going to be hungry. And sure enough, I was hungry an hour later because I was walking around and all that stuff. And, um, you know, sometimes our older, our past brains can, can trickle back in sometimes, but now we have the awareness, like you're aware of that. Now I'm aware of it. Jason is as well. So it's part of the learning curve. Nice. Well, and, and the point of all of this is Jason so beautifully said, and I don't know what episode it was, right. We have to get it wrong to get it right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's not like, you know, that, that one eating incident isn't going to put a hundred pounds on our frame again. But if we aren't consciously eating in the way that we're doing it and understanding what our body is doing and the signals that it's sending it, then we're actually, then, then we're doing exactly what we did before surgery, which was eat, eat, eat without really consciousness. So what we're doing is we're, we're experimenting. We have to take a little risk and say, okay, what is my body asking for? What is best? And I have to trust what it's going to say. And that can be scary after bariatric surgery. Very nice. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the, the next question that we really kind of want to ask about carbs is kind of like what we're talking about, right? Like even we still villainize them a little bit in our lives. So where, where did this come from? Why, why, or, or, or yeah, why did carbs suddenly become this horrible thing in the universe? Um, I think Atkins started it, but um, honestly, I think carbs, two things, carbs are easy to eat. So we know we can eat them by, by the bag full if we wanted to. So right then and there, they lead to weight gain because you can eat a lot more of them. Um, that's, that's probably where it all started. So when someone goes on a low carb diet and, and they started to see the cutting out carbs drop massive amounts of weight, carbs really got vilified because, whoa, look how much weight I can lose if I just drop my carb intake. So we obviously blame carbs for the weight when in reality, you're just losing water weight and you're going to gain it all back anyway. So but carbs, they can explain themselves. It was too late. <laughs> so oh. carbohydrates require water to store them as glycogen. I mean, that's your storage in the liver, in the muscle. You need a lot of water to store, to store it. So when you drop even a little bit of carbs for a week and you, you lose that, you utilize the carb, the glycogen storage, all that water comes with it. So you drop the 5, 10, 15, 20 pounds. That's why those who have weight loss surgery drop 20 pounds right up in two to three weeks. So they're not, you know, we, we don't measure that as well, but you can't measure how much fat you lost versus weight. I think that's where it really came from. And then all the, the big time companies and, and the pre- people preached low carb and carbs awful for you. It's not, it's, it's, it's the same calories as protein. It means one, one, four calories per gram. It's not oh any different. Goodness. Well, can, and that, yeah, you can it, eat more. Well, yeah. And that was really kind of surprising too, when I was doing research for, for this month, because we get, we get this question all the time and, and maybe you would want to address this too, net carbs, right? And the research right. that I did, it was basically like net carbs was invented by a food marketer. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> right? Like it was just a ploy to kind of get you to, to buy more things or to try this diet, right? It was just another way to sell you mm-hmm. a, a way of eating basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the snack wells era is over now, but it definitely had an impact on us in the 1990s and, and the early 2000s for sure. And um, 
I think that, I don't know if you, you tell me, is the public, I don't think they're as scared of carbs as they were 20 years ago. Am I wrong? Is it worse? I don't think so. I don't think it's worse necessarily. I think it's pretty villainized still in the bariatric community. Um, you know, I follow a lot of like body neutrality accounts and things um, on my personal pages. And I feel like that area of society is more accepting of just eating what fuels your body and, and not villainizing one thing or the other. But I think in the bariatric space, it's still kind of a gray area almost like people are kind of afraid to like even talk about it um because I think so many of us were really affected by that 90s early early aughts um era of of dieting and Atkins South Beach diet all of that but I don't know about Jason April what you think well Jason what what were do you know or do you remember what your carb guidelines are or were from your center uh, mine were, I want to say 50 or less a day, I think is what I was told is, is the last, the last guide in my bariatric Bible was 50 or less. Yeah. I think that was mine too. 50 or yeah. less. Yeah. I get it because weight loss surgery centers, and I've worked for many doctors, they want their patients to lose a lot of weight quickly because it helps them. It helps them, their marketing, it helps their company look good. It helps word of mouth. You know, they want success. Now I'm not saying they're going to, they're not going to, you know, put your health at risk, yes. but there's, there's nothing wrong with recommending 50 grams of carbs. Um, but many surgeons, I find many surgeons dive into the nutritional component and working with them. They're not, you know, they're obviously brilliant. They're surgeons, but they don't really know as much about the nutrition mm-hmm. and they just kind of parrot what they hear. So they'll say 50 grams of carbs, um, with no problem at all. Now I'm not against that. It's the first few months, it's fine. You're hardly eating, but after a few months, that's got to go up. Um, you know, especially for a guy like Jason, who I assume was, you know, you're you're a big guy. You know, you're you're always going to be a big guy. I don't care what you weigh. You know, you're just a big strapping guy. <laughs> so you need more carbs than than the other patients need. Fifty isn't going to cut it. I'm sure you're eating more than fifty now. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, because I yeah, I'm I'm six four. And at my highest was uh, 468 pounds, but even at my highest weight of 468 pounds, my lean muscle mass was 233 pounds. Yeah. So, regardless yeah. of even you know even if I had zero body fat, I'd still need more than 50 car- 50 grams of carbs a day. Yeah. And, and you can't get that much because you have a small stomach, especially the first year. So yes, you're going to be malnourished. You're going to be you're going to have some malnutrition. Nothing life threatening by any means, but. Um, yeah, so carbs get, carbs get the vilification unnecessarily. There's not, there's nothing wrong. If you, if you cut your carbs out, yes, you'll lose weight. Yes, you will. And if you want to get into a dress for a wedding and drop 10 quick water weight pounds to go for it, just know you're going to gain the 10 pounds back as soon as you eat a carb. That's, that's what it's constant happens all the time. Yep. Well, and, and I think this conversation also really helps, you know, helps people understand that, because the other question that we get all the time, well, what should my macros level be? How many carbs should I be eating a day? And it's like, okay, well, we would never tell you that because you got to follow your surgical guidelines, A. And B, everybody is different. So it's really hard to kind of come up with this like number that everybody can follow when everybody's biology and body is really calling for different things. But to know that in the beginning, 
the reason that the carbs are low is not, the only reason is so you can drop the most amount of weight possible in the shortest amount of time. But that's not necessarily the lifelong practice that bariatric patients need to be following. No, that's why people say, I'll get this a lot. And you may have, you may have talked about this in previous um, uh, broadcasts. Let's uh, the pouch reset. Let me go on a liquid diet for two weeks, like a year out of surgery. And what does that do? Well, that decreases carbs. You drop 10 pounds. Of course it works, but then you gain it back. So it's a, it's a similar mentality. Um, even for those who have the surgery long-term, that's why I don't preach pouch resets. I don't get work in it long-term. I'm always looking long-term. Well, I think that's, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think that's what so many of us struggle with. And I know Jason and April and I have talked about this in the past. It's like bariatric surgery. You think about that first year and then it's like the abyss. It's like the ether, like afterwards, and so then you get to that year and then you have to kind of figure out, um, you know, the sustainability and all of us who have dealt with diet culture and, and um, then gone through this major change. And then all of a sudden you have to like start thinking about how you can sustain or continue to lose weight after that one year mark. Um, I think we all kind of lose that sense of sustainability and we, I revert back to what I know, which is dieting. Yeah, it's good to hear you say that because I, I do talk about that and that's that's so true. I wanted to say that um, a, a simple way, now this doesn't apply to everybody, but what I try to look for for me, if any, this might be some value, is try to get about 40% of your intake from, of your caloric intake from, from carbs, especially long-term. And now that that that's a good thing because that, that will make it the number different for everybody. It depends on how many calories you're consuming. So if we make it easy on us, and let's say you're consuming a thousand calories a day, 40% of a thousand is 400, 400 and uh, there's four calories per gram of carbs. So if you consume hundred grams of carbs times four, that's 400. So, you know, you're right around the 100 gram a carb day. If you're on a thousand calorie diet at 40%, if you're 1500, you go to 600. <laughs> the re April reactions are funny. So that's the way you can, you can get a better idea for how many grams you need for yourself. Um, same with proteins and fats. You can go with the 40% 40% protein. So I find that carbs and protein grams a day are going to be very similar each day. Protein is going to be a little higher, but not much. Okay. That makes sense though, to what we get as bariatric. I mean, I got a very similar write-up post-op. Uh, my protein and my carbs were very similar. Yeah. Um, you end up being that way. At a year out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 100 grams of carbs, 100 grams of protein. And then you'd probably settle in at about 25 to 35 grams of, of fat going down into the, the macro tr trio. Um, but again, that, so that, that way you can do it for yourself. Of course, you can have a dietitian help you with that to get more exact numbers. But I don't even like to get bogged down in that. I like to just look at calorie intake first. If your calorie intake is where you're where it needs to be, most likely, unless as long as you're eating your protein first, you're going to have you're not going to have too many carbs. You're not you're going to be good because you have that pouch to help you. Well, yeah. Well, and it's just like, <laughs> I mean, I have seen that. I've seen the math. I've I've read the math right on my computer screen or on paper. But to hear you explain it. I don't know, for whatever reason, it just finally clicked in my brain. And I was like, oh my God, that's, that's the math. I just didn't realize that. Yeah. It makes sense then that I should be consuming a hundred grams of carbs when you put it that right. way. I just, 
you know it's like when you when you hear you read something a hundred times and then on the or 99 times and on the hundredth time it sticks i, I like that because you probably yeah you probably don't think in terms of like 100 grams what you don't multiply that by four in your head no don't think no, about no. the percentage it's no. like actually day so good i'm glad i was able to explain that well uh, and, it, and it makes sense the way he's breaking it down about like the pouch resets and the liquid diets and all that because you know as you guys know my wife and i had surgery a little over a year apart so i had it first and then went through my my deal lost a significant amount of weight then my wife was getting ready for hers well she went on the liquid diet with me to help me through whenever before i had surgery so when it was her turn she was like hey now you're gonna do this with me and i was like oh, okay cool well, I will tell everybody that it's much harder the second time to go back on the liquid diet after you've already done it once. So even a, even a year out of surgery, it was rough. But, you know, I did drop 10 pounds while I was doing it. And I'm talking about the instant I put food back in my mouth that was not liquid. Boom, that 10 pounds was right back. So okay. yeah, there you go. Yeah, it makes perfect sense for you to explain it that way, because that's that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Wow. Well, and, and this is a really good segue because the other thing we want to talk to you about, Mike, is fats, right? So so 40% comes from protein, 40% from carbs. That leaves about 20% for fats. Yep. And again, something else that have been that have been villainized uh, for a very long time. Thank you, 90s snack well, all that kind of fat-free era. Yep, totally. It's true. So so let, let's kind of go through the same process. So what is fat or what what are fats? So when I think of fat, number one, the reason why people are scared of fat, I think is because it's called fat, right? And we, we refer to somebody overweight as fat. We don't call people carbs, do we? Wow, you, you look carbs, you look protein. <laughs> oh, fat. but I'm gonna start now. <laughs> right, poor start. fat. It's like, why does that have to happen? So I think just the, the word itself is, is just connotates, oh my gosh, I don't wanna eat fat because I'm gonna get fat, which is not true, obviously. Um, but when I think of fat, you think of cells, you think of cell membranes, you think of hormones, you think of vitamins like A, D, E, and K. These require fats to be, um, to fat, they're fat-soluble vitamins. Like fat is the cell. It is required. You, if you don't get enough fat, your cells will not function. The cell membrane will break down. So there's so many different types of fats, but at the end of the day, you know, you talk about protein as life, but fat, but fat kind of backs up that in terms of keeping those cells healthy. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully that's a good explanation. <laughs> I think that makes sense because I mean, I'm really, I'm really into skincare and you always want to put fats like oils and things on your skin yeah. to yep. plump your skin. So that makes sense the way that you, um, to me, that's, that's how I was thinking of it as you were speaking. I was like, oh, well, I put nice oils and things on my skin every day to make it look plump and younger. So that makes sense to me. Good. Absolutely. And you heard, you heard the term triglycerides, right? Mm -hmm. You have those measured in your blood. That's the, that's the storage form of fat. Your body packs the fat away. A fatty acid is, is put into a triglyceride and it stays there when it's needed for later on. So when we talk about triglycerides, well, if you have a ton of triglycerides in your blood, yeah, people get, the doctor tells you, oh, shoot, you got to get those lower because you have too much fat in your blood, um, too much stored fat. So there's a lot of different terms. There's uh, essential fatty acids. You've heard of those. Um, those you can't eat, you can't make in your body. So you have to eat them. That's why fish is so important in your diet to get those omega-3 essential fatty acids, omega-3s and 6s. You can't make them, so you got to eat them. So I preach omega-3s a lot. Um, 
yeah, so fats, the fat, the world of fat is just as complicated as the world of carbs, really, if you think about it. It really yeah. is. Yeah. It sounds like it. Well, and <laughs> monounsaturated, sorry, polyunsaturated, monounsaturated, saturated, those, those refer to the bonds. They're harder to break. When it's something saturated, it's room temperature like butter, very hard. So those, there's, there's those saturated bonds. When something's poly or mono, it's more of an oil. So those bonds are easier to break. So it's more liquid. So oh, they're I saturated. See. Yeah. So it's easier. Oh. So saturated fats are vilified because you, you, you think of how butter has all those bonds. So in your bloodstream, blocking arteries, right? Versus omega-3 fatty acids, which are poly. You know how fish are very slimy and they, sl they sl slip around. You would think that in your bloodstream as well. So that's why they say it's good for heart disease to have a high dose of omega-3s. Oh. <laughs> Jason's a little broken. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, don't know. I mean, that's the perfect way to, to, to describe it because the only thing you ever hear is, is just like what he said. You got, you know, the, the different types of fats or the trans fats that cause everybody's favorite anal leakage or, you know, whatever else there is out there. It's just, yeah, I mean, it all, it all makes sense when you break it down that way. Well, I'm like literally blown away because I'm sitting here. I'm like, how, okay, A, A, how the frick did we never know this? Okay. And then the other thing that just clicked in my, into my brain, I mean, I'm, I'm all about, you know, the, the, those essential amino acids that are present in protein. So, so, it's a, so it becomes a, a whole complete protein and they're called essential because your body can't make them. Right. I never even connected the dots that it's the same for fat. Our bodies can't yeah. make this these certain essential fatty acids so we have to consume them right what the freak oh i, I feel very oh, let down by my high school and my college and my <laughs> weight loss surgery center this bullshit i love it i, I love know. your reactions it's so fun i love it. it's hilarious it's like, <laughs> yes well, and, and th this is why i get so like about these conversations because Bariatric people are very smart people. I have three degrees, a master's degree hanging on my wall. I'm a highly educated woman. We are all educated individuals. Right. Why my doctors and my bariatric surgery center thought that I was too stupid to understand this infuriates me because this information would have helped me make better decisions before surgery and even after surgery. Hmm. It would have, I would have made different decisions because I'm a Y person. You tell me to do something. Mm -mm, I didn't do it until you tell me why. What is the reason behind this? What is the mechanics? Then I will think about doing it. But I didn't get that. That's cool. I love hearing you say that because that'll help me too. Knowing that, seeing your reaction, I will make it a point to try to make sure my clients and patients have that information for sure. I mean, they do kind of, but maybe not as much as I thought. I think you know. I think to tag on to what April said, it's like we do know some things right like I always say like an educated don't go to um a bigger person and ask them about diets because we could tell you about all of them and why they may or may not work we're very educated in that sense but and we know what a carb is for the most part we know what protein is for the most part but no one actually does sit down and like break it down in the way that like you all of these bariatric dietitians have told us in the last few weeks it's like we haven't we've never gotten that in-depth review of how those components actually work to us like to know that there are essential fatty acids who would have known i just thought fat was fat and that was it <laughs> yeah. you know 
Yeah, that's good. I'm, I, I, I hate to hear that you didn't know that, but I'm glad I was able to provide it. I think that in the world of weight loss surgery, the clinics, they, they're, they're, a lot of them are get, it, get the patient in, get them out. Some are, there are many good clinics, don't get me wrong, but even the good ones don't have a lot of time to teach all this. So you're right. I think we need to do better uh, across the country at, at weight loss surgery clinics, what, you know, doctors and surgeons and all these things. So it's good to yeah, know. Yeah. Mine, brought in the, mine brought in the plastic meat and the plastic vegetables and fruit. And we had a 45 minute class where she held up little plastic pieces and was just like, this is what it's going to be. All right, take it easy. That was it. Huh? See you yeah. later. Get these numbers for the rest of your life. Uh, do this, do that. Look at these little fruit. This is what your, hey, this is what your, pro, your servings look like. And, uh, yeah, buy these shakes on your way out and take it easy. Like, all right. Well, I work with a lot of patients who go to Mexico and um, they get they get probably the least amount of um, mess. The, the doctors are great. I don't want to, it's great, but they just come home if they if they have it in the States and they're, they, don't, they get they get a packet of information and say, see you later. So yeah, those, there needs to be better um, education, I think. Yeah, I think it's across the board. I mean, just even from a young age, you know, like, learning about health in junior yeah. high or yeah. you know it's not even yeah. just bariatrics it's across the board no one knows about how food works <laughs> yeah. um because they don't take the time to teach you that and i think that's um i mean not to get too into that but i think that's a huge loss yeah. right totally totally agree you know and and the thing that that i am really trying to wrap my brain around now as a bariatric patient is I can very quickly, I can take in all this information and I can get jazzed about really getting good with my tracking. And then I can spiral and I can go, oh, this is just so hard. I'm just never going to get it. This is so much work, right? And then I spiral and I talk myself out of it. But what I'm really starting to realize is that it's, it's just as easy to talk myself into it as it is out of it. But if I do this little bit of work on the front end now, very quickly, this nutritional information is just going to become a part of who I am. And it's going to become as routine as washing my face and brushing my teeth, right? Like all these things that I do in my life um, have just become very normal. But they, you know, these things weren't always normal. You have to work your way up to them. And I think I just really need to calm myself down when it comes to nutrition and tracking. And instead of telling myself, you're just never going to get this, this is just too much. I really just have to start saying to myself, this is not this, this is not that deep. I keep going back to the conversation we had with Sam. This is not that this deep. This is, this is not rocket science. This is some pretty basic understanding of what my body's doing. I need to take a deep breath. I need to lower my temperature and I just need to commit to growing in this area. I have to admit, I don't know a lot about it, but I need to, if I want to have long-term success and I do, I really do. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't have to be I scary. Yeah. But it is scary. It you is. know, I mean, it is. But think of all the things you have to think about if you really wanted to uh, think about every type of carb, fat, even all the things. So yeah. I, the, the easiest way that I, I recommend is just understanding your caloric intake needs, understanding at least a number of carbs and fats and protein you need each day, and knowing you won't get hit those exactly every day. Um, and, and just always eat your protein first. That's really my biggest rule. Um, and get the fiber. I mean, I have a lot of things. I have a lot of rules, not that many, but a few, but the biggest one is the protein first and the fiber, and then everything else falls into place for the most part, but it is good to know these numbers. Um, yeah. 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 So well, fat, yeah, I was gonna say fat gets vilified more because the, the nine, the nine, um, uh, calories per gram versus the four per gram for the carbs. And the, so 
the density, when we talk density of fat, what I get a lot from, from, from my patients I see who may not be losing as much weight is they'll say, I'm not eating much. That's always a, a common thing, right? I'm not eating a lot of bites. But if you're eating five bites of two separate things, these five bites could have 500 calories and these five bites could have 25 calories. You could still say you're not eating much. So the fat is usually the culprit in that world because it has so much density to it. Um, nuts, seeds, oils, salad dressing, hummus, avocado, these types of foods that are considered healthy and they are healthy, but they're a lot of calories. Yep. I found that out um, last or two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I've been I've been really digging a tofu bowl. I, I fry up some tofu, I do some sprouts, and I was doing an avocado, and it was delicious. But it was very quickly. I when I was tracking, it was like, oh, where is this coming from? And then when I broke it down, it's like, oh, that. And it's not that the avocado was bad. It was just my fats were very very high. Um, and again, right, you just don't know what you don't know until you do it and you track it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and for me, if I enjoy avocado and I can make it fit within those goals, then I would like to do so. It just means that I need to be cognizant of what I'm doing throughout my day so that I can enjoy that at the level that is appropriate for where I'm at. Correct. Mm -hmm. you, don't, you, you can eat it. You definitely can eat it. You just have to be aware of it. That's right. That's it. That's exactly right. Be aware yeah. of the amount, especially nuts. Nuts are the big one and peanut butter. Those are the biggies. Oh, freaking peanut butter, man. Don't even get me started. <laughs> Those are the biggies. I love peanut butter. It's so bad. <laughs> we are always talking about nut butters. It's like our kryptonite. Oh. We can't it have is. it. Can't have it because otherwise I'll eat like the entire jar before I. That's die. why I won't. That's why I won't try it. I've still to this day never tried American Dread, any of the nut butters, and I won't do it because I know what will happen. I'll be over here with a box ripped apart. And I'll be like, scooping it with my I've hand. Really good. Me. Yeah, I I've been really good. It. I bought four two weeks ago. And there's still a lot of it left. So <laughs> go <just> you. <laughs> just go, exactly. Go you. Oh, I'll look like I'll look like Gollum. Y'all will see me with the light on. I'll be like, fucking <laughs> like holding the jar, like fucking yeah. It's, it's a They're no kind of my my safety comfort. If work is getting too like crazy, I'll let myself have one tablespoon. <laughs> I'll go over and I'll be like, just one, and then I'll just sit and work and eat my peanut butter. <laughs> oh my Every now and then, we we got we got to have something. We got to have um, something, I guess. Oh goodness. <laughs> So the, the, the last thing that we would love your, your insights on my, my art is tracking. It is about tracking. How do you recommend people track their, their nutrients or do you recommend that they track them? I, I do. And I don't, I really do find that there's a, there's, it depends on the person. Um, we're getting more in tune with history of eating disorders and, and things that trigger people. And I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get more, um, uh, what's the word, I'm just attached to that, that notion of somebody may not respond well to this. So I kind of go with each individual and, and you take your own journey on that. If you're not triggered, if you're not, doesn't bother you to track it. Yeah, you should, you should. I mean, come on, let's, let's be honest. When you track, you kind of keep yourself in control more. Um, but at, over a certain amount of time, I mean, weight loss surgery patients should be at the point where they don't need to count because they know they know the proteins first. They know the fiber should be there. They know they have a small stomach. They won't be able to eat that many calories in one sitting and they won't need as much tracking going on. So I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of in the middle. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, we, we've actually had this conversation quite quite a bit and we really echo exactly what you say. I'll, I'll just, you know, one of, the, one of our favorite sayings is we can't change what we don't track. And that just applies to anything in our lives that we would like to modify. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if we want to change our weight, it's going to really directly be correlated to what we're eating. The, the, mm-hmm. My number one takeaway from Weight Watchers all those years that I was a member was that fitness happens in the gym, weight loss happens in the kitchen, right? So by separating those two, totally. I'm not using fitness and movement as a way to like say, oh, well, I can eat more because I exercise. No, no, no. The two are not in any way connected. So, you know, those two philosophies really kind of rang ring loud and true for me although tracking is is difficult i mean jason what about you i know you've got kind of got your own system for tracking yeah i've never paper tracked i don't track in apps i don't do any of that but i can go back through and i can tell you every single thing that went into my mouth in a day so technically i mentally track now can i put any numbers to any of that shit nope i cannot um but i can tell you how much water i have like I, i track water i track all the things that i need to um, I am to a point where I do need some data, so I am going to be tracking some of the stuff here in the next couple of weeks, just because I've got to be, you know, I've, I've got to be able to do it because I'm seeing some changes that I'm not a huge fan of. So, in order to do that, I know that I myself am going to have to quit being so lazy with it because mine's just lazy. It doesn't trigger me at all. I just don't want to do it. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those things where I don't, you know, it, you know, it's it's one of those hills that you make insurmountable because we all know if we don't want to do something we can talk ourselves into or out of anything we're the world's greatest salesmen when it comes to duping ourselves and i've made it in my head built up to be tracking is so hard because how am i going to track you know this one little thing that i had over here you know you're just making a monumental task when it doesn't have to be that so you know i've come to a point where i realized i'm gonna have to make a couple of changes for myself but you know that's a personal thing i'm I'm right there with mike and april can i ask a follow-up follow-up question and 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 you don't have to answer but what what are the changes that you're seeing because i don't know this and i'm a little bit shook because i know everything about you (laughs) i have been noticing that i've getting a little bit of the bloat in my belly is coming back um and i don't really i'm not a huge fan of it uh, i caught myself in a in a in an after picture looking a lot more like a on the way down picture and i'm not quite impressed with that whatsoever so i've got to figure out exactly where it's coming from and what i need to do i know that there's days that i'm not getting near as much water in i'm getting a, i'm getting a lot but i'm not getting as much as as i could so um, just there's been a few things, those few changes. Salt intake, I think, is up a lot. Um, I've got to cut back on processed, processed like deli meat stuff like that. I think to me, just it carries a lot of sodium, and I don't know if that's where it's coming. Like I, I've got a, a few theories on where it might be coming from, but I, I've just I know I've got to make some changes because I'm not thrilled, and I've got you know limited amount of time to do it before I'm in front of people again. And I can't be out here just looking any kind of way. So, Well, my, thank you, Jason, for sharing, because that was going to my head. And I was like, what is he talking about? Because this is new to me. Um, Mike, what, what would be your suggestion for Jason? Where, where, if you, if you were working with him one-on-one, where would you have him start? Yeah, I, I think I would have him start tracking. I would definitely do that. Cause you feel like, you know, he's had a surgery. How long ago? Uh, how two long? years. Two years. Yeah, two years out, complacency definitely hits. It's normal. Um, life gets in the way again. Totally understandable. 
Um, just get back to the basics of it, track it for sure in your case, because like you said, you don't mind tracking. So we would do that. And um, hit that hit that car, that protein first, that water is so important. I would get you on a, a water schedule probably just to make you more cognizant and aware of how much water you're drinking a day. Um, and just make sure that you're, you're putting the priority on you again. I'm about 70 ounces of water a day right now. I could do more, um, but I have, I carry this that has, you know, has my, has the 24 ounces on it listed and I'll, I easily knock out four of those a day or sometimes five. I can do six if I really push it, but I, well, I don't ever worry. Sometimes it, it may be a little less. Sometimes it's like around four and a half of those a day, but usually yeah. Yeah, as long as you're doing your best to get it in, because you you know again, being that your guy, you have you need you, your weight. You just need more water to support it. Um, everybody has different water needs, so I would push that. Not the not the biggest deal in the world of water, but it is something where you want to more be more focused on um, the snacking, the the just the grazing, and getting back to that protein first mentality. Wow. Sure. I mean, do you want to okay. retain weight? What's that? Are you do you have a weight loss goal still? Yeah, I. Uh... I wanted originally my personal, my, my surgery center didn't have one for me, but I originally wanted to get down to around 250 and then lift back up to about 275. I don't think that's going to be possible given the fact that I got down to about 295 and that was where I was pretty comfortable at. Um, 285 was the lowest when I did the liquid diet with my wife. Hmm. Then I bounced back up to around 305, between 300 to 305, which was... I was comfortable anywhere between in that area, but currently right now I'm at 318 and I'm not comfortable. Yeah. I think, I think you're going to hit a point. I, I see this a lot after two years where you're going to, you're going to drop another chunk. Um, you might even hit 280, but it's going to take, I don't know if you want to be 280. Like you said, you don't really need to be in your, in your opinion, as long as your waist is healthy, you have a good 38 inch waist or less Then I don't really care what you weigh after that. Yeah, currently I am not there. I'm at a 44 right now. 44 is about is is about the smallest my waist has been. I got to a point where I was kind of flirting with a 42, but I never got there. Yeah. Um, even at 285, I, I was a I was a a loose 44, but I was not even I, I was not a tight 42. I was a loose 44 and a not 42. So, um, but I yeah. Know I know I, I could do 280, like 280 wouldn't bother me if that was the case, but yeah, it's going to take some, it's going to take some work to get well, there. You know what I would say? I know this isn't the Jason dietitian dad consult, but um, <laughs> podcast, but I do think that you should focus more on your waist and not really worry about the number on the scale. Like get that waist down to 38, even 36. I think that's still possible. And then whatever you weigh is what you weigh. That should be, that should be your goal in my opinion. Yeah, I, I could see that. And I would be okay with that. Uh, I would, I'm a daily wear by fault and I hate it. I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, actually, I did no way January and that's how I got from 305, 308 to 318. So it didn't work. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it did not work. It did not work well at all because that was the only accountability tra slash tracking that I had done. Yeah. And when I threw that out the window, I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, this is cool. <laughs> mm. Not cool. All right. Well, good luck with that. Right. But again, Jason, like you, I mean, you, you had to try, you had to figure out what, what worked for you. And sometimes daily weighing for people is not good. And if that's a piece, if that's a tool that you use to hold yourself accountable, then so be it. And you can do so in a safe way. 
but Mike, what I really appreciate about that is that I think uh, the question that we get also, I say this, this, I'm like a broken record today, but people want to know like, well, what's it like working with a nutritionist? I haven't worked with one. Jason hasn't worked one. Natalie, I don't know if you have worked one with one, but it's interesting to, to allow a little peek into what a conversation would be like with somebody. Cause maybe people are scared to reach out to you or another nutritionist. Cause they just don't know what the conversation is going to be like. So I think it's amazing that you were really able to give a little bit of insight about what it can be like to work with a dietitian like yourself. Yeah, actually, right. I mean, that's the perfect example where um, before the po- this podcast, I, I had a phone call with a client. I mean, usually we'll spend a half an hour to an hour on the phone together, going over the goals. We work together virtually, or I have, I have a full-time, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I work uh, full-time for a clinic. So I do that as well. In, in person, which I like too, but working with the nutritionist, I mean, you're going to, they're going to assess your needs. They're going to hit, hit goals for you. They're going to be your coach. If they, if you have a good experienced dietitian, you're going to have somebody who knows, who knows what's wrong and help you address that issue right away. Um, make sure you don't make mistakes that are going to ling- that are going to linger. Um, know your numbers, obviously provide the meal plans. Only dietitians can write meal plans. I mean, if, if you know, nobody else can write them for, legally. So if you get a meal plan from somebody online and they're not a dietitian, they're, that's against the law, <laughs> that's against the rules. Um, so we are the only ones that can do that for you. Yeah, I mean, I think we, as dietitians, coaches, um, whatever, provide a lot of value. Now, are there good and bad ones? Sure, I mean, there may be some you don't feel the connection with. And um, so you move on to somebody else and help have them help you. But yeah, I think that's kind of a good insight with what me and Jason were talking about in terms of that was very small, obviously, but just to give you an idea for what we do. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's hard too, for a lot of people. Cause I know like the, the dietitian for my surgery center, a lot, you know, a lot of these dietitians that are specifically for surgery centers give a lot of, you know, the, the guys like Mike and, and some of the better dietitians we know a bad rap because they're there literally to collect a check and push you through and check the boxes in some cases so it right. really does like in my, in, in my case my registered dietitian i don't think she knew shit she legitimately like the conversations with her i would just sit there kind of like wondering like where the hell did they find you like how did you get this <laughs> job because she legit like not only did she not know a whole lot to tell you when you were struggling she didn't seem like she gave two shits. So like she was either burned out, was having a rough time, or she just legitimately didn't have the knowledge to know to give. That's sad. And yeah. so when you hear that, when people say, you know, say, well, reach out to a dietitian, they kind of go, eh. because legit, they either have zero, you know, they, they don't know what it's going to be like, or they've only had bad experiences. So it's kind of like, they've already kind of, well, I've kind of done that already. Well, not really. You have, but you haven't. Like you haven't talked to, if you haven't talked to a quality dietitian, you know, speaking to somebody who actually has the knowledge and can help you is going to be yeah. great. Yeah, I, I like to prop up dietitians, but I know there's not there's all different types, and um, I hope the ones that aren't the greatest will work on themselves to get better. And we want our reputation to be good in the community yeah. for sure. Well, it's just like you know when when we're seeking any professional before or after bariatric surgery in, in in any aspect of our life, we have the right to try on different people for size. And right. if we don't jive with one person, we can we can move on and find one that does click with us. Right. Um, you know, and I think too, just in my own reflection of where I've come, I wouldn't have known 
half the time what to ask a dietitian in the first place, right? Because I wasn't on the other side of surgery. So I don't even know what I'm supposed to be asking. I don't even know what I don't know until yeah. you get here, right? And then normally by the time, at least for me, when I got to where I was like, oh, I really need to know this stuff. My insurance didn't cover it. And in my surgical center's dietitian, it was just the, the pre-op. There wasn't really anybody one-on-one -on -one to work with afterwards because they just didn't have the manpower. So, right, right. You know. That happens a lot. I know, I know. Yep. Again, which is why these conversations are just so critically important because the more information we can get out into our community, the, I always like to say, right, we can lower everybody's temperature. We can say, nope, this isn't, this isn't insurmountable. We can do this. There are quality people like here's, you know, just trying to, yeah, you know, provide people with, with what they need. Cause I know not, you worked pretty closely with your dietitian at your surgical center, didn't you? Yeah, I was going to say, um, I'm very lucky and fortunate to have a really great surgeon and surgical center in Mexico, which is very, uh, I know is not common. <laughs> um, but especially that first year, I was very fortunate to have um, my nutritionist work really closely with me. Um, I, I probably talked to her, you know, less now. I think it's just hard with time and not being able to like see her in person. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of exploring the ideas of having one in the States, but I did enjoy it. You know, you could come to them, you can come to anyone, any nutritionist with like your concerns. Um, if you notice patterns coming back, you can, um, you know, work with them on those things. I do have a past of eating disorders. And so I struggle with tracking and, and all of that. So, um, you know, finding ways that I can still track without, you know, necessarily looking at hard numbers every single day has been helpful. Um, like with this macro challenge, I'm not really tracking macros. I'm tracking, am I eating consistently? And am I eating protein-rich meals um, consistently? Um, and so I have timers on my phone. I have, you know, other ways that I'm tracking. And um, so, yeah, I mean, all of that's to say, yes, I, I did work with a nutritionist pretty closely the first year. And now nice. I'm kind of figuring out how to um, make it fit for me in my stage now. Yeah, well, because I was going to say, I, I know that you've been very open about the, your struggles with eating. So I was really mm -hmm. curious to see like how, what, what have you found? So if somebody's listening to this podcast and they know that tracking in a very like literal sense is going to be triggering, what would you recommend, Matt? Um, I think for me, uh, obviously, like having these kinds of conversations uh, with dietitians is really helpful. So, um, you know, just knowing a little bit more in depth about, I guess, I look at my plate now in ratios instead of like X grams. Like I don't go by like strict numbers. I kind of go, okay, I can see my protein is, you know, this much on my plate. I can see my carbs are this much on my plate. Um, so I've been really being more intentional, just like when I sit down with my meal, can I identify everything kind of like the bariatric plate method that mm -hmm. some dietitians have brought up. Um, can I look at this and see all of those components? And if I can't, like if something is missing, if I have the ability, I can run and go add something. Um, or if I am like out and about and I just don't have the ability, I'll try and like do better next, next time. Um, so that's kind of how I mentally track. Um, and it's been working so far. Like I can tell I'm satiated more. I feel better. Like 
obviously I'm not perfect a couple days in the last two weeks I've you know you are yes. perfect there is no such thing as a bad bariatric patient you are perfect. no I'm not perfect though because that's a high standard I don't need high standards mm -hmm. like that because that's when I get in my head um but I'm doing my best and I think that's like the number one thing for me is like if you can sit down and look at everything and like point out those components um then like I'll take it <laughs> yeah yeah well and it's the the struggle for me is I kind of the same thing like I don't want to track the numbers infuriate me how do I track one bite of this and a teeny bite of that but at the same time, like I'm, but then I'm not collecting any data. So then I just mm -hmm. vacillate between like, okay, what am I doing? And then I just get frustrated and I just give up, which is not yeah. healthy. For me, it's the standards. I don't want to be perfect. I don't want to have like certain numbers. I used to work with like my fitness pal and things um, beforehand, not healthy for me. I tried to do it again after bariatric surgery and they put that weird warning like, I wish there was a way you could tell them that you're a bariatric patient because they're like, you're eating too too little. And um, so I didn't like that. I didn't really like very tastic. Um, I think for me, like those numbers are really triggering for me. So instead of focusing on those like standards of those numbers, I can kind of take it to my creative brain and be like, okay, I can see all of the elements. I got all the color, like how many colors are on my plate? Like you know, thinking about micronutrients and things like that. So that's kind of how I, I track in a way. Awesome. Well, Mike, this conversation has been mind blowing, not cool. surprising. <laughs> High praise. Thank you. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> so to, to kind of wrap up the, our conversation, is there, is there something that you want every bariatric patient to know about eating after weight loss surgery? Every bariatric patient, I would say, if you were to break everything down to simplicity, I said it about five times, is get that protein always available. Have it around whatever source you want. Doesn't matter to me if it's a shake, it's a bar, if it's meat, if it's eggs, doesn't matter. Try to ingest that first before you eat anything at all. If you have a craving for a cookie, if you have a craving for some popcorn, chips, doesn't matter. Get the protein into that pouch, and that's going to take a, alleviate a lot of the, the future problems you're going to have from overeating or eating a little bit too much. So protein first, fiber, if you can get that second, and water. Those are the big three, three things. If you can focus on those three, go ahead and eat your carbs. We talked about how carbs aren't bad. They're not. Even simple sugars you can eat. So you'll, you can live your life, what I would call like easily in that you're not feeling overwhelmed. You're not feeling like you're depriving yourself. We got to make sure you do something that's going to last forever. You can't be doing these crazy, weird, you know, <laughs> let me cut out this. Let me not eat that. Let me stop myself from eating my favorite treat. It never works. I just don't know. I think we've come to the point where we know that, right? So don't fight it. Get the protein in. If you want that candy, whatever piece of candy, bite of burger, doesn't matter to me. You can have it and still lose all the weight. Awesome. This conversation, it literally, I know, right? <laughs> this whole, this whole month. Nothing over here. <laughs> You're going to be re-watching, re-listening to this for a very long time. Fun. So, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Mike, where can people follow you? Where can they connect with you? Uh, dietitiandadnutrition.com. I'm known as dietitian underscore dad on Instagram and TikTok. I have tons of TikTok videos on weight loss surgery, 
Instagram's fun. Um, reach out to me. I'm happy. I'm gonna answer a ton of questions, no free of charge. If you have any issues, just let me know. I'm happy to help you. Awesome. Well, thank you so very much for joining us today. Like I said, this has just been extremely eye-opening and it's just really nice to, to, to hear similar information from a different perspective. And just every time we get the opportunity to talk to, to, to registered dietitians like yourself, we just, we always leave empowered with the information that we need to, to live our, our happiest, healthy lives. So thank you. You're welcome. And I appreciate you having dietitians on and, and you know, showing us off a little bit and, and hopefully getting more people to realize that what we can offer. So I appreciate that too. Yep. Well, that's the, the, the whole goal of Barry Nation is to help patients connect, learn, and grow from one another and the experts, right? Like we're the expert in our patient experience. We are not a registered dietitian. We are not a therapist. We are not all of these things that we really right. need in our lives to, to find success. So we are on a mission to connect the community with the experts that can help us achieve our goals. And you are, you are one of them. So we're very thankful for you and your time. You're very welcome. Well, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do. Miss Nat, do you want to tell people about our favorite day of the week? Of course. So every Sunday is our shout out Sunday. It's the day where we, Berry Nation, get to just shout out and show you, our community, some love. Uh, every Sunday, we share one of our community members. We share a little bit about them. Uh, and all of you guys learn about your community more. We get to learn about you guys more. Um, it literally is our favorite day of the week. Um, there are so many of you guys that blow us away. Your stories are just amazing. And we love learning about you guys and, and showing you guys off in a way of just, uh, I love it. I love writing them up. Um, so essentially all you have to do is go to our link in bio. Um, we have a Google form where you'll fill out some information, uh, upload a picture that you're proud of. It does not have to be a before and after. It can be you with your kids. It can be one that you're very proud of. Um, so upload that. And then I just take them as they come and I put them on our grid. And it's, it's just the best. We love it. Um, you do not have to be uh, post-op. You can be pre-op. You can be you know, 10 years post-op, anything in between. Uh, and you also do not have to be a paid member of Berry Nation. It's for anyone and everyone on our Instagram. So uh, go to that link in bio, fill out that form so I can just show you guys off because it's my favorite. <laughs> we just love celebrating this community. Best day of the week. And if you guys are looking for a little bit extra layer of support, we do have the Very Nation membership community where you can connect with experts like Mike uh, in a safe and secure environment. We have over 50 support groups, live events, peer-to-peer -peer, uh, opportunities that happen every single month. So just head to barrynation.com to learn more about it. And we offer you a 14-day trial to see if our type of support is a good fit for you because we know it might not be right for everybody, but we want to give you a chance to try it on for size if you, if you want to go go with that metaphor all right jason my friend want to take us out yes ma'am mike we just want to thank you again for your time and your knowledge and uh hanging out with us today because uh this this is going to be an amazing support for the community and we just appreciate you very much for that and uh for all of you that support us uh through likes shares subscribes and reviews and ratings we appreciate that so much and we wish you know you would keep doing that you can leave us ratings on your favorite podcast players, the YouTube channel as well. Uh, you can also leave us voice messages on our Anchor app, which we can incorporate into future episodes of the podcast. We just, you know, we love hearing the voices of the community. So please do that. 
And just remember at the end of the day, you've got this, we've got you, and we will see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thank Bye-bye. You.